Support comes from the Janice Hawkins Cultural Arts Park on the main campus of Troy University, featuring the International Arts Center, the Fred Nall Hollis Museum, and the Hua Baozhu Gallery. More information at troy.edu slash artspark. From Troy Public Radio, this is the Storyline Book Series from In Focus, and I'm Carolyn Hutchison. The Old Farmer's Almanac has been around since 1792, with its handy assortment of articles that are, quote, useful with a pleasant degree of humor. Carol Conair, the editor of the Old Farmer's Almanac, joins us by Skype from Dublin, New Hampshire, to tell us how it all started. And she'll also give us a prediction for winter weather in the Deep South. Thank you so much for joining us by Skype from Dublin, New Hampshire. Thanks for having me. Carol, Dublin is the home of the Old Farmer's Almanac. When was it started? It was started in 1792. Robert B. Thomas was our first publisher, and he was actually in the Boston area. And back then, of course, was George Washington's first term as president. It was a while ago. But at that time, there were more than one almanac, as there are today, but there was actually many because, you know, they told about the weather and the things for the growing season ahead, and that varied from depending on where you were in the new country. And this one had staying power. It's with us today. It did. And in fact, his became an immediate success compared to all the others on the market at that time. And in his second year, he tripled his circulation to 9,000 from 3,000, which is pretty big considering how many people probably lived in the original states back then. So, and it cost six pence, which is about equivalent of nine cents today. And Robert B. Thomas, he was at it. He was the editor for something like 55 years. So he had a good long life and a good long run. He started, I think, in his 20s and did it his whole life. So since it's had such staying power, what is the accuracy rate? That's the thing is that we believe that Robert Thomas had the most successful almanac because he was right. You know, we claim 80% accuracy on our long-range weather forecasts, which is a pretty tricky endeavor as it turns out. But he, you know, applied all the sciences at the time. And so we think that A, he had better weather predictions, and also he really concentrated, as we do today, on having that degree of humor. So it's useful with a pleasing degree of humor, and that's been our brand, really, ever since 1792. Well, since that time, Carol, has it always been targeted to help farmers, gardeners, people like that? Absolutely. So when the almanacs first started, everybody was a farmer. And then, you know, as industrialization happened, of course, people still were having backyard gardens and still interested in growing. But I think also there's just so many other useful aspects to the almanac. You know, we have tide charts and the moon phases just days of the week. It's a calendar of the heavens for people that are interested in sky watching. And so those things were always useful to both farmers and just people. For a long time, this was the only book you had in the house beside the Bible. So even just entertaining reading was something to have useful around. So are there predictions from the Almanac about the Deep South and what's ahead? 
absolutely. So, you know, we're saying this kind of across the country. This is going to be a real winter for most areas, and that's that's true for the Deep South. It's going to be colder than normal in the north of your region and a little bit warmer in the south, but you're going to see precipitation and chances for snow are above normal throughout the winter. So where you are, we're calling for the coldest periods in late December, early January, kind of a nice, probably a January thaw in the middle of January, some more cold in late January, early Feb, but then things will start to to warm up. You get a nice early spring where you are. (laughs) Well, Carol, one of the most popular parts of the Old Farmer's Almanac is the recipe contest. And you actually have color photos of those recipe winners. So I think some of these recipes would be great for Thanksgiving. What do you think? I love it. So this year was ginger recipes, which who doesn't need a little bit of zing of ginger? And it's like one of the best things for you. So we've tried and tested all of these. And I will tell you my two favorites. I love a good crisp. And it's got a little bit of ginger in the topping and in the fruit. I'm going to say go with fresh. Don't do the candied. I, I prefer fresh. And then we also have these delicious meatballs. They're a Thai ginger meatball. Who doesn't want that on their Thanksgiving appetizer table right away? And I noticed they're using these cast iron skillets. Oh, yeah. Well, they last forever. You know, again, what's old is new. I don't know about you, but I almost cook exclusively in cast iron, and I really enjoy it because it's great for baking. It holds that heat throughout the pan. Well, Carol, take a look at page 22, and this is a trend that we're seeing more of, and that's incorporating pets into our travels. Can you give us some idea of what that trend is? Several things that we're seeing are many more hotels and even inns are catering to pet owners. You know, your favorite bed and breakfast is welcoming Fido, and they'll have snacks and dog beds and a water bowl. We see that there's a lot more people taking animals on planes. And so there's all kinds of fun travel accessories that you can find in the pet store these days for traveling with your pet. And even just if you're in a tourist destination, you're going to see a lot more dogs out and about. And a lot of those towns, I noticed it this summer, have dog bowls right outside their door. And they'll say right on their door, dogs are welcome inside too. So more and more pet owners are traveling with their dogs. And the dogs seem pretty happy about it. And we see more and more department stores carrying dog and cat pet supplies. Absolutely. And I think the online suppliers, too, are really (laughs) seeing a boom. I think it was part of, you know, the kind of post-pandemic. People really got reengaged with their pets, and it's lasting. They don't want to go anywhere without them now. Well, Carol, we're going to be doing a series with the Old Farmer's Almanac and make it seasonal. We have a book series called The Storyline, and there are plenty of stories in the Old Farmer's Almanac besides these predictions for the weather, etc. But before we go, what do you bring to the table as the editor of the Old Farmer's Almanac? Well, I'll tell you, I I actually worked for Yankee Publishing, who is the parent company of the Old Farmer's Almanac. I worked here 23 years ago, and I spent 20 years in higher ed, and when the editorship came open, I knew the former editor I had written for her. I I really couldn't imagine a, more of a dream job, to be honest with you. I, I love gardening, and I love astronomy, and I, and I love weather. I think if you're a gardener, you 
you know, get a little obsessed with the weather and even with the moon. And so that's why I'm here. And I think my job is just to make sure that we continue to have that pleasing degree of humor. Well, you spent almost a quarter of a century in higher education, and of course, Troy Public Radio is part of Troy University, a worldwide university. But I want to welcome you back home to the Old Farmer's Almanac. Yes, thank you. And, you know, I think I worked at a library for most of my time in higher ed, which is a really good background to be the editor of the Old Farmer's Almanac because we're all about information, so I know a thing or two about finding it. Is there anything else you want to share with your listeners in Alabama, Georgia, and Florida? Well, you know, almanac.com, is, you can certainly get a copy of the Almanac there, but we have hundreds and hundreds of pages. If you like cooking, gardening, weather, even astrology, it's all there. And, you know, we'd love to see you at almanac.com, especially if you're thinking about, you know, we have a lot of eclipse stories, too, because April 8th is the, the North American eclipse. And I want to thank you for joining us today again by Skype from Dublin, New Hampshire. Thank you, Carolyn. That was Carol Conair, the editor of the Old Farmer's Almanac. We're delighted that Carol has agreed to seasonal visits to share the Almanac's Deep South weather predictions, along with more tidbits, articles, and oddities. Thanks for joining us today for the Storyline from In Focus, which is a podcast on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carolyn Hutchison, and this is listener-supported Troy Public Radio.